stream. We are dreamed into existence. What we do with that dream is up to us. This is Stream. I am Jessica Deruta, and I share with you my stream of consciousness. You may find Stream on my blog at TrustPsyche.com and on my YouTube channel, Jessica Deruta. Please take what serves you and leave the rest. Let us begin. How we dream is as important as what we dream, for the what of the dream knows itself through the how. Welcome to Stream 10. Today is April 21st, 2019. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Happy Earth Day. Happy 420. Happy Bicycle Day. And Happy Love Day. Speaking of love, I have my very first guest here on Stream. The one and only, the very lovely, Mr. Travis Deruta. And we are here to do a continuation of Stream 9, where we're going to be talking about love and relationships and astrology, specifically focusing on synastry and composite charts and the metaphysics of relationship or a relational spirituality. So welcome to Stream, Travis. Thank you, Jessica. I'm so happy to be here with you. Oh, I'm so happy to be here with you. We've been having these amazing conversations for the past six years that we've mm-hmm. been hanging out together. And I think it's very fitting that today when the moon is at zero Sagittarius right now, as it is, um, that we're coming together to have a really awesome philosophical, metaphysical, and cosmological conversation about connection and what that really looks like and what that means and when we're working with astrology i love it moon and sagittarius we're talking about relationship and philosophy and metaphysics and what's uh what's behind all that some of the ways we can think about that and understand it in relationship to astrology mm. and it's really fitting for our synastry our two birth charts together because as we talked about or i talked about in the last stream Uh, our Venus-Uranus conjunction. You're born with Uranus at one degree, Sagittarius, and Hmm. I'm born with Venus at zero degrees, Sagittarius. So we have a really tight Venus-Uranus conjunction. And then, of course, in your natal chart, you're born with Venus opposite Uranus. Your Venus is at 26, Taurus opposite Uranus. And right now, the moon in the sky is exactly on that part of our chart, which also happens to be the placement of the sun at our, what we call our zero anniversary, mm-hmm. right? What day is that? November 22nd? 21st? 22nd. Well, we chose for it to be at midnight because <laughs> <laughs> we like the cusp of it. We're bridging the days. Yeah, we were bridging the days. We, we kind of, I think we like to get multiple bangs for our buck. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, let's have it the zero anniversary our relationship be when the sun moves from Scorpio to Sag and this is this is related to something we'll be talking about a little bit later kind of extending our notion of time to I've been calling it a smeared time that (laughs) so often in astrology we think about these snapshot moments in time and we uh, can neglect some of the, the before and the after of that snapshot moment and if we start thinking about time as, as duration, as something a little bit longer than that snapshot, we can see what's happening before and what's happening after. And really we can see how the relationships between moments in time is, will give us a little thicker, more robust notion of what's happening in a moment in astrology and expanding, expanding the single moment, the single 
autonomous moment all by itself to actually be a, a moment that's in relationship with all the moments before and after it. And so in this discussion of relationship, we'll also be opening up our, our notion of time to think about how relationship can play itself out between moments in time. And I want to say a little bit about that, but I also want to definitely give you a big plug right here, which is for the month of May of 2019, you're going to be the featured astrologer on Trust Psyche's platforms, and you're going to be sharing your different astrological work from essays that you've written, and you're also going to be hosting the next live stream after I go on May 5th talking about Saturn-Pluto. So I hope you all join us for that on Sunday, May 5th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch us live on Facebook, and you can also catch us live on YouTube. But if you want to come and ask questions live, uh, just go to trustpsyche.com backslash live stream, and you can register there to get a Zoom link that we'll send to you. And I really invite you to come and ask us questions. But on Sunday, I believe it's June 2nd, whatever that first Sunday of the month is, Travis is going to be hosting the live stream and talking more about this idea of time and also sharing his work with his dissertation, which you're currently finishing writing right now. Um, you're doing your PhD in the philosophy, cosmology, and uh, consciousness program at CIS, which is where we met. And mm -hmm. later on, I'd love for you to share a little bit about that. But I want to jump back in to what you're saying here about this understanding of time and its relationship to a metaphysics of relationship, because essentially what you're doing is you're asking us to change our understanding of time metaphysically and this is important bringing us out of the secular age because because we view ourselves still as so separate and atomistic so isolated um, because the majority of human consciousness is still in that secular atomistic individualistic age a lot of our understanding of time also um, naturally comes out of that worldview and when you're talking about us moving into this uh, deeper participatory relational worldview, you're saying actually we need to shift our understanding of time and this is really important astrologically that we actually need to see that the birth chart isn't really a snapshot. That's not really an accurate description of what's going on there. Yeah, I think um, in terms of the birth chart itself, we can really get a lot more information about the, the placements that we're seeing in the birth chart by understanding what was happening in the motions of the planets before and after that moment. Um, one, one real straightforward example is, is thinking about uh, retrograde motion. You know, if something just, just went retrograde or just went direct, you know, days before or days after you were born, that says something about the sort of where that planet was in its, in its cycle of time, where it was in its energy. And this also has very concrete um, ramifications on your progressions. You'll see those, that retrograde or direct motion played out significantly. But even beyond thinking about progressions, if Jupiter is in a moment where it's stationing, that's a lot different than a, a moment when it's moving really quickly forward. Um, and so understanding where in the cycles of time the planet is will give us a better understanding of the energy that's coming through that planet at that moment. Mm. I'd like to um, share a little bit about our story and how we came together to root this in. Do you want to say something else? Go ahead. Yeah, I thought maybe I'd just step back for a second and say, uh, try to make the same point from, uh, from the perspective just of, of time itself, setting aside the astrology for a moment. Um, I'll just say a couple things to ground this. This discussion of time goes goes all the way all the way back in the philosophical tra tradition. Um, it was Aristotle who first kind of laid out the the snapshot view of of time, thinking about it, time as a a series of now moments. And there's a there's a vast array of literature on this. Um, but uh, a figure, uh, a, a French thinker, nineteenth um, century uh, Bergson, he was one of the first to really start to challenge this notion of time and think about time as duration. And he really focused on the subjective quality of time, mm. how, how time changes. If I'm, if I'm uh, you know, waiting for my tea to cool down so that I can have a sip and I'm really wanting a sip of that tea and you know, I'm, I'm burning my tongue waiting, waiting for it to, slow, uh, to cool down, 
my, my sense, my subjective sense of time is going to be elongated, um, you know, versus, you know, time, time flying when you're having fun. And so our perception of time changes drastically throughout the day based upon the specific setting that that time is passing in. And so this is, this is a way, this is a way of pointing out, uh, in a very common sense way, how, how time changes based on your disposition, based on where you are in the different cycles and activities moving around you. And so, uh, you know, the, the clock measure time, measures time as if all moments were the same. But we know that for us, as living, breathing, relational beings, all moments aren't the same. And so we're trying to treat the chart and the astrological approach too as something living and breathing in relationship and not something that's just a chronometer measuring, measuring the movements in the sky as if every moment was the same. And, you know, as a counseling astrologer, this is essential to focusing on what is the most important part of the chart or the transits to focus on for a reading. When you're sitting down with someone, um, you know, the counseling astrologer has to intuit and discern what is it that is most essential to come through today? What is the most meaningful thing, the most effective thing that we're going to talk about? You know, something that happens a lot with astrology is the number one question we get is, well, what does it mean? What does it mean, the full moon? What does it mean, the square? How's the square different than the trine? What does it mean if I have a kite? What, is it, what does it mean? What does it mean? A very valid question uh, as us curious beings that we are. And the answer is, well, everything has meaning. But everything does not have the same depth or relevance of meaning. And, and this is what you're pointing to here with our philosophical understanding of time. And this is really important that we take this in to our level of interpretation and focus in on what's the thing that is going to have the most depth of meaning. And for me, that's usually the thing that has the most texture in the soul. It has the most charge and it also has the most multidimensionality to it, meaning it's operating on the most levels of consciousness as possible at once, which is what makes it more powerful, more potent and more concentrated. Yeah, I think I like how you're bringing out this. um, To me, I really think of it as like a contextualization uh, you know, when you talk about the multidimensionality, what are what are all the different levels of contextualization that this meaning is happening within? We don't want to think of of meaning as just textbook, and this is this is a pitfall for uh, for astrologers and for those interested in astrology that we we do have textbooks that will tell us the meaning of these planetary combinations, but that's not really how how meaning works. The meaning for any particular person, it's their kite. It's not the textbook's kite. It's a kite that functions within their life, within their soul, within their relationships, within their their multiple lifetimes. And so we need to understand those different contexts to understand the meaning. There's not not one meaning. There's, There's many meanings. And getting to the kernel of that meaning for you means understanding that universal aspect within the particular story of your life, connecting universal in particular to interpret and to understand meaning. Meaning doesn't reside just in the universal. Saturn doesn't just mean one thing for everyone. What's really cool about astrology is that Saturn has a universal aspect that then gets played out in each of our particular stories in such a way that it's unique just to us. And so we always need to connect the particular with the universal in order to interpret and understand. And if we look at that understanding of connecting the universal to the particular within the context of relationship, we know that that is always a two-way street. It's mutual, it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. And so we must then do the reverse of that. We must connect the particular to the universal Mm -hmm. as a way for us to understand the universal from the vantage point of the particular. Yeah, and this really gets taken to the next level in relationship because not only are we connecting the particular to the universal, but we're connecting the particular to the particular between one person and another person in light of the universal patterns that connect them. And so here the, the lines of connection get, get layered and complex in such a way that it really becomes obvious how these different connections and relationships are, are playing into it. And I think these insights that we gain from looking at synastry and or astrology and relationship are things that we can bring back into the practice of astrology in all other areas 
they're just especially on display here in relationship because um, the connections are so complex and multi-layered. Mm. So maybe we can maybe we can start to ground this a little bit in some specific discussion about our relationship. Okay. What do you think is the best way to do that? Should we focus in on the Venus Uranus and begin to tell our story that way? Or what feels most natural to you? Yeah, that seems like a good place to start. Something very specific. Okay. So in stream nine, uh, some of you heard me talk about uh, Travis's and my Venus Uranus conjunction. And I want to bring that archetypal combination or cycle of time back into this stream. And what we want to do is we want to share with you the genesis of our love story this lifetime uh, as a way to um, bring together the universal and the particular in a really grounded way. And also as a demonstration of what we mean by an archetypal approach to astrology, which uh, Travis and I have a lot more to say about that, which we'll get to in future streams. Okay, so... Uh, our Venus-Uranus conjunction. How do we begin? How would you like to start this story? Oh. Where should we begin? At Burning Man? Before Burning Man? Maybe we'll just say this. I'll give a little bit of the backstory of the year before we fell in love. And then... You can come in and share more of what happened when we first got together. So we met in the fall of 2012, and I was already at CIIS. And at that point, I was TAing for Rick Tarnas and, uh, you know, doing a lot of teaching and readings with astrology. And Travis came into the program to do your master's. And up until this point... You had spent the previous decade as a professional musician, which is a big part of your Venus Uranus in your birth chart. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trained as a jazz musician and you were traveling the world and playing with different groups and you were making your living playing the double bass and the electric bass and you were living this really exciting, adventuresome, free life. And after you had toured Europe and Asia, you were in Thailand and you'd been living there for a little while and you decided it was time to come back to the States and you wanted to finally pursue your master's degree in philosophy and religion. So you came to San Francisco and you started the program and we met and at first you were just kind of on my peripheral radar I just thought ah whatever I mean honestly I didn't like you at first <laughs> we're gonna be truthful <laughs> I mean I did it not 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 like you but I didn't really like you well we all know that the things that Jess loves most she first hates <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good sign <laughs> and uh so you know there were some like school events and parties and we'd see each other there but where we really started to connect was around Burning Man mm-hmm. you went to your first burn in uh, 2013 and at this point I was pretty much a seasoned veteran I don't know I've been seven times or something like that and I was hosting at my house the Burning Man meetings and uh, you were there at them and we were starting to connect and you know naturally at those meetings sometimes they'd turn into late night dance parties and we'd stay up all night dancing and it turned out that you played all my favorite music all the good oldies stuff Mm -hmm. and so you would dj and sometimes we'd stay up past the sunrise into the next day and it was just (laughs) some of the most precious nights of my life absolutely and you know san francisco being this fertile, progressive, cultural playground. Uh, There were lots of fun things for us to do. And we, our friendship deepened very rapidly. And now everyone has to remember that in 2013, we're in the heart of not only the Uranus-Pluto square, Mm -hmm. but also the Jupiter-Uranus-Pluto T-square. And this was going over our sun-moon opposition. Travis's moon is at 17 Cancer and my sun is at almost 17 Capricorn. So we have an exact sun-moon opposition and that's in our synastry. And then the world transits of the Jupiter-Uranus-Pluto T-square was going over that. So 
we were just ripe to be exploding essentially together. Yeah, and this all really came to a head at Burning Man, and at that point, if I'm not mistaken, Venus moved into yes, a Grand, Grand Cross, Cross with that with that formation, and so there's that Venus Uranus again, and so so one way that we've been thinking about this lately. Um, is thinking about it, and this is something that uh, Matthew Stelzner has been also talking about in his Terror and Flow class now, and um, and we've uh, we've spoken about this in conversations with him. So thinking about the set setting and dosage of a portal opening, and a portal opening is another way to talk about a transit. Um, so if we're thinking about this Venus Uranus portal that uh, Jessica and I. We're, we're both passing into under, under the world transits, but really that we are constantly in as an expression of our sinistry. Our relationship is a Venus-Uranus portal that, that we're living inside of. And so what can we say about the set setting and dosage of that portal? This is one way to, uh, to talk about what we mean by seeing and understanding archetypally. And so I think already it's kind of apparent how uh, everything so many aspects of the story that Jessica just set up bear the, the Venus Uranus mark. And so Venus Uranus was really a big part of the setting of the genesis of our love story. Uh, places like Burning Man and San Francisco, these are Venus Uranus places. And so already we see our sinistry playing itself out in the setting. We see Venus Uranus as the setting that's holding the beginning of our of our love story. It's a setting where beauty and love are expressed in a radically free way. It's a naturally progressive environment. San Francisco is one of the most progressive cities in the entire world. Burning Man is one of the most liberated, free, progressive places of expressing creativity and art and music and love. So these were the perfect settings for a very strong dosage of our Venus Uranus archetypal expression potential to come through in our relationship, in the genesis of our love. Right, so uh, settings like these can, can carry a high dosage of the Venus Uranus energy. Jessica and I have this Venus Uranus energy coming through, but if we were, if we were living in Washington, D.C., it wouldn't have been safe for such a high dosage of that energy to come through. But because we were in San Francisco and we were going to events like Gay Pride and Folsom Street Fair and costume parties and throwing all sorts of social norms out the window, it was, it was able to go, to go very far and very deep in this portal. We also see part of the set um, of our love as the history, our biographical history that mm-hmm. brought us to that moment where Travis was at in your life and where I was at in my life. At the time, you were exploring polyamory, which can be ex- an expression of Venus Uranus, free love, open relationships, taking a non-traditional path towards being in relationships. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, as many of you know, was in a relationship, a long-term relationship, and I wasn't looking to be in a new relationship at all that wasn't on my radar whatsoever however uh when love comes <laughs> only like a, a bolt out of the blue out of a bolt out of the blue uh you're only fools deny it and um it was unexpected it was completely mm-hmm. surprising on every level and that was also a quality of venus you're honest that the way we fell in love and how we fell in love was completely a surprise it came out of nowhere and that is often the case with venus uranus the sudden unexpected uranian love that bursts into your existence and radically changes everything and is you know there's a lot of upheaval and chaos within it but it's also electric and i remember Mm -hmm. i had never felt so alive in my life absolutely just lit up I remember a few a few other details that relate to this Venus Uranus theme. Um, early on, we were uh, a lot of our communication was happening online through technology. We didn't necessarily get to see each other, see each other all the time. Some of these uh, 
you know, aspects of our existing relationships and whatnot, but we ended up chatting a lot online. And so our love, our love moving through the technological medium was another expression of the Venus Uranus on the level of form, the, the means, the media itself that we we're using to communicate. And the thing we were communicating about, the content, was for the most part astrology <laughs> and our love of astrology, our shared love of astrology. And so that is also another expression of the Venus Uranus. So there we see it coming through both in the means that we're using to communicate with one another and what we were actually communicating about. Yes, and there's two points here that I love, and that is that you specifically came to San Francisco to learn more about astrology, and that's also mm-hmm. why I came to San Francisco, was to learn more about astrology. I came in, what was that, uh, the fall of 2007 after my first Burning Man, and that was, that fall, I discovered astrology that was the same year we find out later that uh-huh. you read Cosmos and Psyche for the first time. Right, which I found in a bookstore in Bangkok. And you found it in a bookstore in Bangkok. (laughs) Need us say anymore. And so 2007, before we knew each other, we both discovered astrology. We both discovered Rick's work. And that led me immediately to San Francisco. And that led you there about five years later. Mm -hmm. But the part that I love, which is I think a big part of why this dream is happening today, was the moment that I felt our karma, our genesis love story this lifetime blow open was at burning man i can still remember the moment me too it was a couple days in and was during the day and we were riding our bikes you know all covered in fur and lights and (laughs) you might have been dressed like a kitty bat or something and tutu on and (laughs) god knows what and you know we're riding along and i mean i don't really know you yet and uh you know i turn to you and i just say hey you want to know something I've been thinking about? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I was like, dude, seriously, have you thought about sinistry? Like, I'm just blown away right now. Have you really thought about it? Like, have you really thought about it? I mean, seriously, like, it's amazing that your birth chart that's seen in the planets already shows you about yourself and life and that your transits work and that that's happening for every single person on this planet. I was like, but have you taken in that your birth chart seen with every single other person's birth chart shows you your karma with them. It shows you the gifts and the challenges of that relationship. It shows you the strengths and weaknesses of that relationship. It shows you the potential like with your mother, like your birth chart with your mothers shows that relationship and with your father and then with your siblings who are born later. And then with me who you met 30 years into your life. How is it possible that that level of orchestration is able to, 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 to demonstrate that in all those relations spanning out across all those places in space and time? Yeah, I, I invite you all to really just kind of stop for a moment and try to drop into that. It really, it really just bowled me over and I, I still remember that moment together and it hit me. It, it really hit me what you were saying and after that point, I, I referred to that moment as my, my second astrological awakening. And the first, you know, of course, it happened when I was first introduced to astrology and Rick's work. And I said, okay, you know, there's, there's a correlation happening between events in my life and, and the movements of the planets. But then to really, really take in what you're saying, that you know, what are, we're at 7.7 billion people in this world, and that all of their charts, they all have, we all have specific charts, but it's all the same planets. And these, these planets are moving and, and at moments we're each born and somehow all of those moments as reflected in our charts can fit together to meaningfully tell you, yes, about the gifts and challenges, your karma, what's happening with those people and those relationships. It just defies comprehension. And I just love it. I mean, I'm just so tickled that it was your second astrological awakening. And knowing me, of course, I want to be a part of that moment. That's a special moment for me as an astrologer. And that's a special moment for me now as your wife to know that I was there in that moment Mm -hmm. when I was just spontaneously sharing my love for astrology, Venus Uranus. Venus is what we love. And Uranus relates to astrology and it's the spontaneity of it. And in that moment, I was sharing my spontaneity of my love and it was about sinistry relationships venus 
and in astrology you reciprocated fully and there's nothing more that we could love in relationship than to be reciprocated but mm. especially when it's a venus uranus moment to be reciprocated with that level of openness and that level of revelation and insight and essentially we've been unfolding a metaphysical and philosophical conversation ever since about our understanding of astrology using this form of correspondence which is about relationship i just love how many layers of venus uranus there are there in that moment you're sharing an idea about your love of astrology venus uranus and that specific idea has to do with synastry relationships and astrology venus uranus which i then i then meet with my love love of astrology and it it brings out the venus uranus that's between us in in our synastry in our shared love of astrology and helps deepen our relationship this is all happening under a world transit of venus uranus in the sky as well and of course the way that your synastry is hitting my chart is lighting up my natal venus uranus and so it's just it just seems almost overdetermined you know how much venus uranus energy is being lit up in this moment and it just happens to be the genesis moment of our love. Of course it is. And look at that as far as the texture of time and the multidimensionality there. It's like, you know, the structural poetics of it. You just named all the Venus Uranuses that are happening in your chart, in our synastry, and in the world transit. That's the kind of astronomical take on it. And then we're talking about the potency of all of the layering that we just described of all the different ways that Venus Uranus is coming through in the entire gestalt of this moment. And then because our souls have been on a very long journey together, we've had many, many lifetimes together, we're ancient beings together, there, we're bringing a depth of time and history into that moment. Our souls are bringing a depth of time and history into that already rich textual moment. And so it's like the portal opens and it opens full and it opens wide. And so much Venus Uranus energy is channeled through in the genesis of our love. And I, I want to talk about that as well in relationship to your um, understanding of time here and bringing in that sense of not looking at it as a snapshot because that's not our first moment together. I mean, obviously we had known each other a year before, but I mean, that's not our first moment together as souls. Mm-hmm. And the birth chart shows the genesis of any relationship. It shows the set setting and dosage of any new relationship that we have, whether that's with our parents or our siblings or friends or lovers. It always shows that. It always shows the genesis of that relationship, of the set setting and dosage. But it also so shows the genesis of our love in previous lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Because the current moment is always a reflection of the historical moment. And so we also see time unfolded here. And I was seeing if maybe you want to talk a little bit about that and how we understand that. Sure. Well, yeah, this is another, I think another example of uh, broad contextualization. You know, contextualizing this lifetime in the context of our many lifetimes that have come before and our many lifetimes that will come after we ask ourselves the question sometimes, how, you know, how did we get here? And I think a big part of understanding how we got here, what we're doing in this lifetime, is understanding what happened, bef- what happened before. Of course, we, most of us don't remember those past lifetimes, but the chart and the synastry can give us insight into, into the arch- archetypal dynamics that are working themselves out. Our love in this in this lifetime seems to be a sort of hologram of a larger arc that our souls seem to be working on and working out. This lifetime isn't isn't isolated isn't isolated from past and future lifetimes. Just like a single moment in time isn't isolated from the moments that come before and the moments that come after. There's a deep interconnection between all moments in time. Just like there's a deep interconnection between the different spaces that are happening within a single moment and kind of keying into this interconnection and and interbeing between souls and beings moving through time is what we're what we're trying to to get at here i think 
I think that's just a really rich and deep point, you know, to really bring in a reincarnationist perspective astrologically and understanding the birth chart and understanding the synastry we have to realize that what that is showing is this enfoldment of time of present past and future and there is a non-locality or an a a locality to to it and that for me is a very rich place to be um really epistemologically as we approach as we approach our understanding of what's happening here yeah i think um one way we've been talking about it lately is uh saying that you know your your transits extend beyond yourself your transits don't just happen to you they happen to your environment they there's a field phenomena happening around your being that extends beyond your skin. And so I think, I mean, just the, the Burning Man example is a great one that it's, there was a, there's a Venus Uranus thing, you know, happening in my chart and there's a Venus Uranus thing happening between us and our synastry, but it doesn't stop there. It extends into, into the whole setting that was, that was holding us. Like our Venus Uranus synastry was being expressed by the entire playa. And to really take that in that all of those people, all of that event was in some way an expression of us, not in a, a solipsistic way, not, not in a self-centered, we're, we're the only thing that matters, but we're all constantly doing that for one another. And that was also happening on different levels, different transits, different combinations with every other person on the playa. And we were also a reflection of their transits. We don't end at the edge of ourselves, but we extend beyond. And we see really cool examples of, of this in uh, discussions about ecology these days. Um, I was reading this writer, Timothy Morton, uh, recently, and he talks about ex- extended, extended phenotypes. He talks about how the spider's DNA doesn't end at the edge of the spider's being, the spider's DNA is clearly expressed by the spider's web. So what is the spider? Does the spider end where the spider ends? Or does the spider extend into the spider's web? The spider seems to go beyond itself. In a similar way, we could say that the beaver exists also in the beaver's dam. The beaver has an, eff- has an effect upon what is around it. And where you draw the line between the beaver and its environment kind of just depends how closely you're looking, at, at what resolution you're zooming in or you're zooming out. And I think we, can, we see something similar happening with transits. They, they, don't, they don't end at the edges of our being, but they, they mix with everything in the field around us. And it sort of depends how, how closely we're looking when we make judgments of where our transits end and another person's begin. Hmm. Yeah, for me, that just gets really into the heart of the ontology or the nature of what is relationships. You know, what what is a relationship? What does it mean to be in one? How does it work? Where do you begin and the other person uh, ends? And that is, turns out, not a very clear distinction definitely not as clear as we would maybe like or hope to think that it is. Yes. And I think it's this, um, it's the same thought that we're trying to bring to the practice of astrology. When we talk about a systems view of astrology, where, where does one archetype end and the other begin? And I, I think in a way it's, it's almost like the structure of the cosmos almost does us a disservice by the archetypes seeming so separate as they're correlated to these separate planets in the sky. It seems like Jupiter is just Jupiter and it has, you know, nothing to do with Saturn that's over here. And those are clearly uh, distinguishable. And they are, but we find that in the chart, if we try to approach the chart that way and say, well, what, what is Jupiter doing in this chart? 
and, and, and we isolate it too much from everything else in the chart, we're going, to, we're going to lose the system's view and we're not really going to understand the whole gestalt of the chart. And so in the same way, we need to understand all of those heavenly bodies in relationship to one another to have a clear view of what's going on. A similar phenomena seems to be going on in relationship here around us on the terrestrial realm. And we have the same tendency to think of ourselves as autonomous, skin-encapsulated egos and to not realize how much we extend beyond our skin and how much we are implicated within one another. I don't know why, it just reminds me of this moment. It was one of the last months when we were living in Berkeley. We we lived in San Francisco in the beginning, and then we moved to Berkeley for the last mm, two years that we were in the Bay. And then I think we had like a house party or something, which we love to host, which you can also see with our Venus Uranus. We love to host dance parties, and Travis is an awesome DJ, costume parties and all that good stuff. Um, But there was this moment, actually, with a friend of ours and also an astrologer, Sam Hines, and I was laying on the floor, and Sam has this particular gift. I'm not sure if he has a name for it or what, but he took his two fingers and he put them on my third eye. I was just lying on the ground. And this thing happened where my the locality of my consciousness shifted. And all of a sudden, just like the spider's web, I could see all the ways that I had woven that moment together. Mm-hmm. And I could see all the ways that I had touched everybody's lives in that room. And the ways that I had somehow affected their karma, their story while seeing that then turn back toward me and then toward me and how their webs had touched me and woven me into their story. So it was like I could see how I'd woven them into my story and brought their stories together while simultaneously seeing the way they wove me into their stories, wove me into their stories. And it was this, it was a deep feeling and an image and like the way my consciousness shifted outside of myself and I could view it from all these different localities simultaneously Mm -hmm. it was one of the most special moments that i had of of having that experience uh you know in what was an expanded state of consciousness but through the means of someone touching my third eye i never had anything like that happen before yeah it seems like you had a you had a vision into into whatever this realm is where these connections are happening because it seems like either naturally or through conditioning, it seems that our, our perceptions are, are less aware of these connections. And we have to use tools like astrology or philosophical thinking or vision states to tap back into this truth, this truth of, of interconnection, this truth that there are traces of you everywhere, that you have marked every person in every place that you've passed through, and that you were you were left there there's there's a trace of you there there's mm. your agency has extended beyond you and is tied into all these other beings and places just that by itself feels so mystical so deep so alchemical to me but then when we combine that with the tool of astrology and that we can see that actually mapped through this industry that you know, my Uranus, or excuse me, my Venus has forever been changed through your Uranus. And, and, you know, that just being representative of this particular chemistry and karma, the roles that we play in each other's lives. And, you know, when we go deep enough, it's really our Venus Uranus. And that we share that field of experience, not only within our relationship, but that everywhere we go, the traces that we leave is a Venus Uranus trace. Mm-hmm. And part of that medicine, just like how every cycle of time carries certain medicine with it, you know, for me, the deepest expressions of Uranus is freedom. And I mean freedom as in true liberation, truly being free and liberated from the chains, from the shackles, from oppression and fear and the things that keep us contracted and small, which are a part of life as well. But Uranus breaks us out of those things. And change is inherently messy. 
It's often uncomfortable. It's often awkward. And depending on our relationship to change, you know, we all experience change differently. Some more contracted and others more open. It just depends. Often on your biography, often on your own chart. But that, you know, when you were describing the field of the playa was a Venus-Uranus field, you know, when I look back at Psyche in that moment and I saw how so many relationships radically changed that week, that almost every timeline possibility of Venus Uranus showed up. People broke up. Mm-hmm. People became polyamorous. People fell in love. Uh, friendships ended. Friendships began. And it was all entirely unexpected. It felt like it came out of nowhere. But the ultimate aim or telos of it was a deeper freedom. Mm -hmm. Even if that freedom came in the form of a breakup, even if that freedom came in the form of chaos and upheaval or excitement, newness, new beginnings, ultimately that's what that led to. But the expressions of it and the different timelines of it or as varied as that cycle of time is into itself. And so within every cycle of time, like Venus Uranus, just as it's multidimensional, multivalent, you know, it's it's multi-timelined. And a lot of that has to do with, I believe, both our destiny and also our participation, the choices that we make on what level of dosage we're going to get on in riding out that wave of that archetypal timeline. Yeah, I like this piece you're bringing in about participation. It seems like that was a very important moment for us and for our relationship on that timeline. Of course, while, while we're talking about all this, I, I like to think of, of counterfactuals. You know, what, what about some other people who were there, who were in relationship, who, who didn't have a strong Venus Uranus uh, aspect in their sinistry? Maybe they had something, maybe they had some other as, uh, something else that was strong. And you have to think that maybe for those people, it was a different setting under different world transits that might have been a key moment for them. We, we really see with, with the layering of the archetypal weather that it was, you know, it was happening in the world transits, it was happening in our personal transits, and it was happening in our sinistry and in my birth chart. When we see all that, all that layering happening, it's pointing to, and this is, a, this is a key moment. And that was a key moment for us, and it was, I think it was really a choice point in terms of the different timelines that were possible. And it was... It was an opportunity for us to, to, to get on a different timeline. And I think it was because we went so deep with it, because we accepted the high, the high dosage that was coming through, that we moved ourselves onto, onto a radically different timeline than, than we might have been on if we hadn't participated so fully. Absolutely. And, you know, I, don't, like, I feel like in the deepest part of my soul, like it wasn't a choice, like, mm-hmm. you know, but however, it was a choice for my ego and it was yes. a choice for my conscious self. And I made one of the easiest and best decisions of my life and one of the hardest, most painful decisions of my life. It was that decision to leave my relationship and radically up, upheaval my life, whatever that word is, you know, it was extremely disruptive not only for me, but for everyone around us. And that's another expression of Venus Uranus, you know, that level of disruption. And for me, it was a, it was an extreme risk. It was, yes, it, it led to this uprooting, this upheaval in a community that I had just become a part of. And who, who was I to, who was I to come in there and be, be part of this radical disruption and, there was, there was fear on my end. What if, what if this didn't work out? Where, where would I end up at the end of all of this? But it was a, a big risk for love. Mm, I Another like that. expression of the Venus Uranus. It was a big risk for love. I mean, we put it all on the line. Mm-hmm. And we surrendered completely. 
and there were many moments we thought we were absolutely insane and crazy but the feeling that I had deep in my being I just knew I'd been waiting my whole life for that moment and then if I were to say no I would have been a fool for eternity and you know I'm too old for that shit (laughs) you know so I'll take the uh, immediate pain and disruption for a lifetime of joy and exploration and discovery with you true love is not the kind of thing you turn down (laughs) don't ever turn it down (laughs) so um you know in our remaining time here together i'm seeing if we want to make any comments here about composite charts and then if there's anything else that you feel you'd like to share um just thinking you know, when you when you look at the composite, our composite chart, so again, the composite chart is uh, the midpoint of the synastry. So the midpoint of the sun and the sun, the moon and the moon, all the way out to Pluto. The midpoint of um, the synastry, the composite chart. And the composite chart shows the relationship itself. It's like if the relationship has its own chart, that's the composite chart. And... It's just another level of texture of time. It's just another level of interpretation, another tool or map to use here. And I was thinking, now we know that um, we have uh, moon opposite Uranus on the ascendant descendant in our composite. But what I was thinking was we actually have Venus in Aquarius in the ninth Mm. house. So we actually see a repetition here, which you often speak about beautifully with the holographic repetition and repetition as uh, symbolic repetition as Genesis, um, which maybe you you can say more about if you, if you feel called, but that, so Venus Uranus, uh, Uranus rules Aquarius and uh, our Venus Uranus is in Sag, which is the ninth house. So we actually have Venus in the ninth house, Sag, the house of philosophy, uh, worldview, culture, higher education. So we fell in love in a higher education institution. Mm-hmm. Um, it was focused on philosophy and religion, but it's in Aquarius. So it's actually even a little bit more eccentric or avant-garde outside the box in that. It's about astrology. Um, it also was a very socially progressive community and again san francisco cis very progressive uh places and so we see this repetition in in the composite chart Mm. and that i hadn't really quite processed that before that's nice i also i also love um the fact of just the deep philosophical roots of our connection like the setting was obviously within a philosophy program and then the form of most of our conversations have been philosophical but now here we are doing another expression of it by philosophically and metaphysically talking about the nature of synastry and relationship and what's happening there and i think that this is part of our shared karmic contract together Mm -hmm. is through our relationship to express uh, through this platform like we are now, uh, the importance of bringing synastry into our metaphysical understanding astrologically. It's so important that we honor synastry as a uh, uh, primary form of correspondence you know just like we talk about the birth chart world transits and personal transits is three forms of correspondence synastry has to be included in that and if we don't include that then we are not able to move into a relational metaphysics we're not able to move into a truly participatory understanding of what this cosmology is about yeah i love that jessica and i love how you're calling it the fourth form of correspondence and it it really it it almost makes me think of a of a union model like like synastry is has been the inferior function mm. of us on a collective level we're we're aware uh, we're so closely aware of the other three forms of correspondence but why is, why does synastry get short shrift and i think the, ne- the neglect of synastry as a form of correspondence indicates uh you know our neglect of this fundamental interconnection in the texture of life this neglect 
of relationship on a, on a broader level. And so I love that you're bringing attention to synastry, and I think that by bringing this atten- attention to synastry, that importance of relationship will echo out into the rest of our practice of astrology and, and the rest of the way that we move through life. Mm. And I think it's similar to when we discovered the three outer planets of mm. Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. You know, until that happened, mm-hmm. it's almost like humanity and the consciousness of where we were at, at on Earth, like we weren't ready to know about those. And then when it became time to move into that place of that knowing of that which was beyond Saturn, which was beyond just, you know, our most immediate sense of, for what a long time had been uh, a a worldview that saw us as the center and as in a relatively very small universe. When the discovery of Uranus expanded our universe double, and then with Neptune double that, and then Pluto double that, and it's just gone out and out and out and out ever since but I believe that it's similar now with our understanding of synastry and bringing it into the foreground of our astrological dialogue that we it's imperative for us to do this if we are to truly move into a relational mutual reciprocal balance and ethically ecological world if we are to survive as a species we must bring in our embodied knowing and participation with what in astrology would be represented in synastry. Yeah, I think so often we we focus so much on the, the figure that we lose the ground behind it. Mm-hmm. Or we you know, we focus on a single thing to to the neglect of the system. And so many of these points that have come up today, uh, you know, a system's view of astrology, the importance of of synastry, um, understanding of time is not snapshots. Absolutely, and I think in even thinking of the outer planets um, as a as higher octaves of of the interpersonal planets, and and this notion of, of repetition, symbolic repetition. In all of these areas, we start to see patterns that connect the the different agents or planets or items or people. It's not the uh, it's not it's not the figures themselves that we're focusing on, but the relationships between them. And when we start to see these r- repeating patterns that aren't contained in any single node of the system, but keep showing up in different relationships throughout the system, then we're starting to see, I think, a, a deeper level, this this kind of ecological level of the interconnection of all things. And the, the symbolic repetition piece you mentioned earlier is a great example of this. So if, if, and we can think about this in a natal chart or in synastry, um, anywhere in astrology really, but if you, if you see you know, Venus Uranus in a, in a natal chart and Venus also happens to be in Aquarius and, you know, and then you can have other echoes of this with house placement, maybe Uranus is in Taurus, second, uh, I'm sorry, Uranus is in the second house, correlated with the Taurus, ruled by Venus. That would be another expression of this, of this Venus-Uranus expressing itself in lots of different non-identical repetitions, kind of different variations on a theme. So when we're able to sort of pull back and see these different moments that are variations on an underlying theme, we start to see the whole system relationally instead of in isolated bits. And I think this is the, this is the ecological, ethically robust worldview that you're pointing towards here. I feel like um, we just opened up <laughs> different <Yeah. laughs> nodals of conversations there at the end that would be worthy of us going into and dedicating an entire stream with. I um, just want to make a couple comments here at the end of our lovely time together, and that is, you know, we're right now we're in an exact. Uh, time period of Mercury, Venus uh, are in a conjunction really tight and they're actually with Chiron. I mean, Venus right now is at one Aries, Chiron's at three, Mercury's at five. And we're in this middle of this month long Mercury, Venus conjunction. And 
I just, it's dawning on me right now is that we're having this mercurial discussion about Venus, relationships, love, synastry. Chiron's in the middle of that. We're talking here, you know, Chiron represents a blind spot usually. And I think synastry has been a huge blind spot. I know it has been for me, and I know, I think it has been for the astrological community at large in that, you know, it, it doesn't receive the depth of exploration that I believe that it deserves. Um, you know, usually people aren't interested in synastry unless they're in love or they're heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we know, it, <laughs> synastry works for every relationship, it, whether or not you're in love or heartbroken, you don't need to be uh, partners, you know, for the synastry to be operative. And I think there's deep roots in that. And just the contemplative reflection that your birth chart is born out of the moment of your parents personal transits that their personal transits become mm-hmm. your birth chart and in your synastry right anyways yeah yeah uh, just to ahead, add a little please. bit to that yeah it's uh, just to say it another way it seems like we're always often in astrology we're focused on our relationship my personal relationship with the heavens mm-hmm. with the archetypal realm and yes, that's an extremely important relationship. But what about my relationship with all the others, with all the other people and all the other things? And this is, again, the ecological piece. What, what we're really facing right now is a crisis of relationship, the crisis of how we relate to one another's and how we relate to the more than human world, to, to animals and plants and all the creatures that we cohabitate this earth with. And it's, it's, an, it's an important... This is all an important point for our moment because this is the catastrophe and the crisis that we face, our ability to relate to all the others. Yes, our relationship with the heavens is important, but it's not, it's not going to save this earth. We need to focus on our relationship with all those other beings around us if we're going to, to get through this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful put. I'd love to have you back on here and share your dissertation work which is focused on this very notion that you're talking about here at the end your dissertation's about participation and when you described it to me the other day when we were on the beach it just blew me away i think you're contributing something wholly original uh to our understanding of participation and the way that you connected it the other day to astrology and the archetypes i would love for you to come back here many more times and for us to continue this conversation it's just been uh deeply pleasurable and healing for me for you to come onto stream and and share the stream with me i'm so happy to be here with you jessica and i look forward to coming back on and uh, just on the subject of time that we that we were ending on i'll just mention that during the month of may after jess's webinar um I'll be making some, some posts in the Facebook community uh, relating some of these ideas about time, which uh, for the moment I'm planning on speaking about um, when I host the, the live stream on June 2nd. So I hope you'll join us there and tune in to some of the ideas about time that'll be percolating running up to that. I hope all of you will give a very warm welcome and gratitude to Travis Deruta, who is the newest team member of Trust Psyche and my partner in all realms and all ways. It's such an honor for you to be here with me. I'm a better person because of you. And I'm so excited for your vision and your voice and your ideas to be coming forward and um, alchemically interweaving with me and everyone else listening here today. I'm so blessed to be your partner. Thank you for welcoming me into this world with you. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much, everybody. We always appreciate your comments and your likes and your shares. We're a grassroots organization, a mom and pop, astrological, visionary team. And it's through all of you that our tendrils spud out into the world. So thank you so much for being here and for sharing us with you and for you with us. We will see you next time.
Don't you cry, rockabye, mama's here by your side. Baby love, don't you cry, mama's gonna rockabye, singing to a sweetie pie. Don't you cry, rockabye, mama's here by your side. That I had Mama Queen Bee Say you won't leave me Leave me Please don't leave me alone Oh boy, boy I'm holding you tight Oh boy, boy Every day in the night Boy, boy, baby My love for you is crazy 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 in love with you Here by yours.